What's happening, y'all? I'm Nolan. Stacy Glover. Melanie. And you're listening to Cinema Parlor. Uh, Stacy, you have a birthday coming up. Another year. Mm-hmm. And so you have picked out a special birthday movie for us today. This movie. Yeah. I love this movie. Uh, it's one that I have a lot of nostalgia for, some good memories, and I think it's a very good movie. So. All right. Well, we'll get into that here in a second. First things first, what are we drinking today, Melanie? The episode was meant to have a sarsaparilla-inspired cocktail, or base cocktail, but found out today sarsaparilla is illegal in the United States since 2018. It's carcinogenic. It is not FDA-approved. Yeah, So, which is shocking that that's, that's where they drew the line at sarsaparilla. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. So, instead, we're having a root beer base, which, if you didn't know, root beer is the root of the sarsaparilla plant. Mm. Yeah, so that's why they taste similar, but they're not the same. I understand that some people hold a very high opinion of the sarsaparilla over the root beer. Such people are present. Stacy. Oh, Pope. yeah. Stacy mean... loves the sarsaparilla. Is that super nostalgic for you? Yeah, I, w- I mean, I would say so. <laughs> Old sarsaparillas. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, so, yeah, it's good. Did you, and you had a tuna one? I, I mostly drank root beer more, but I, I have had sarsaparilla so when i was younger did you the whatever general store that you went to when you were a kid did he go to the same general store no he didn't have access to it apparently. he didn't live in that area he he lived way further away like by the, the bowling alley on the north side of town what is considered the good side of that town uh-huh. that's a small town but there was it's like okay we're talking about like three thousand plus people but yeah he lived like in the Lamar Central area, and I lived in what's called Lamar City Heights. So I was in the more rougher part of town. Oh, wow. If you want to call it that. Okay. Because, yeah, we had the bowling alley out there. A lot of... <laughs> the real a rough place. Yeah, a lot of riffraff happening at the bowling alley. A lot of interesting characters walking, walking down the, okay. the area, you know? The old dusty roads of Lamar. <laughs> the old dusty... I thought you meant the wrestler for a second. Hmm. Dusty Rhodes. That'd been even better. We uh, we also had a street out by where I lived called Burnout Road, where people would just... No, there's just squealing <laughs> tires. Perfect. So today we're having... Uh, it's a High West bourbon. Stacy picked the bourbon out. This is... A, if you can find this... Uh, I haven't tried this one before. This brand is really good. They make a nice smoky bourbon. Mm-hmm. I want to try more of them, but High West is the brand that we're drinking. And then we're having, what kind of root beer is it? Fire brewed root beer yeah, so this made is, with honey. Yeah, I just did probably oh, yeah. three to four ounces of bourbon and then topped it off with whatever preferred soda you like. Like I said, we're having root beer in honor of Stacy's memories. Uh, I'm digging it. It's a nice drink. Yeah, so that's what we're having. In honor of my memory, <laughs> for I will soon expire. I said in honor of your memories as a child. Look, you got some good years ahead of you still. Come on. I'd like to think so. <laughs> I guess before we get into the film, let's talk about what we've been up to. Stacy, you want to start us off today? been very busy, so I haven't had much time for stuff such as films, which is always disappointing, but... I've been playing some video games. I got the new Madden, as I do every year. This year, plays very well. I think it's a solid Madden. If you like Madden, this is a good year for Madden. I've also 
which I quit playing today. I'm done with it. Metroid Dread. I want to like that game. I feel like that game was made for like for me to enjoy, but there's so much about that game that I absolutely hate. The Emmys, for one, that it sucks my enjoyment out of the game. That's such a shame because that game looks really cool. It looks like it would be mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, it looks cool. It's a you know Metroid Castlevania style Metroidvania. Is this a newer game? Uh, it came out last year, so I played it, got frustrated with it. Put it down. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it another chance. So started it over again. Got further than I did the last time. And it's not a... It's not that the game is difficult. It's that it has these sections that are stealth sections. And you get one hit killed if you get spotted. So you'll just be in an area and die like 50 times. And it's annoying. That's a bummer. Yeah. It, it ruins the flow of the game. I think it's bad game design. It just sucks your enjoyment. Sucks up. my enjoyment. And I'm just, you know, I'm old. Getting older. I need to find things that I enjoy. So I'm not going to... Why are you talking like you're on like the precipice of death? I've only got a finite amount of time and I must spend it wisely, which is, I mean, true I mean that's true. That's true of all of us, but you're acting like <laughs> death is just knocking it's on like the door. It's right there, I feel it. <laughs> Listen, I You're like hate... Marty McFly whenever he starts to disintegrate into time. <laughs> I, I hate wasting time. Anything that is a time waster, I find it, ugh. Well, and you have a tendency that even if you hate something, you'll just like tunnel through Mm-hmm. So, are you proud that at this ripe age you've discovered? Last couple of years, I've been able to put stuff down. If I don't like it, then I'm I've been moving on to something else because of that. Mm-hmm. I just always wanted want to use my time wisely. From the words of the band Placebo, when we were younger and better, I wouldn't say I was better when I was younger. <sighs> Melanie, what have you been up to? Good way through Heat Two at this point. Mm. Still loving it. It's amazing. Uh, I'm excited for you guys to read it. I'll yeah. pass it off to you sure. when I'm done. I don't know if I talked about this last time. I'm I moved on from Mass Effect to Persona Five Royal. It's amazing. I'm further than I was the last time I start because I stopped once I heard Royal was releasing. I figured I'll just wait. I'll play it, and completely worth it. This version is it's so much fun. If you like JRPGs, if you like those Persona style games, this one's. A really good place to start honestly it's so much fun the characters are really good the combat feels really good the music's awesome i love it so yeah i mean man i haven't had it's been so i feel like we've all been really busy i was kind of worried that we weren't even gonna have time to record today so it's just not a lot of time for movies mm-hmm. just been crazy but gonna make time for movies because october's coming up yep. and it's the best time of year yep sure a couple things I'm going to mention real quick. Uh, last weekend, I had I went hung out with some friends and did two different days of double features that I curated. On last Saturday, we did a De Palma double feature of Blowout and Body Double. I'd seen both movies before, but a couple of people that I watched them with hadn't, and they really enjoyed it. Love both those movies. Blowout is a masterpiece. Uh, Body Double is a step down, but I still like really like it a lot and i think they have a lot in common especially and if you look at the with body double this the sense of hearing and with or i'm sorry with blowout the sense of hearing and body double the sense of seeing and 
They both involve characters trying to figure out a certain thing that has happened, and they're both trying to figure unraveling it out. Unraveling a mystery. Yeah, unraveling a mystery. And one character comes to a better conclusion than the other. I'll leave it at that. Anyway, that was fun. And then on Sunday night, I did a double feature of Robert Altman's Nashville and Richard Kelly's Southland Tales. And I called this double feature Red, White, and Blue America is Screwed. Yeah, Nashville. I Also, I'd seen both these movies before. Nashville, another masterpiece, which I love that movie. And then Southland Tales is a very messy movie. This was the can cut, which I hadn't seen before. So it was about 20, 15, 20 minutes longer. Was it uh, better? You know, it, it's a movie that I'm very mixed on, even after watching well, it a like second time. I a lot time. of people are mixed on that movie. But I, I find that it's a very textured film. I think there's a lot there. Jokes that just completely fall flat and... It's just, it, it's all over the place, but I think there is so much there to think about and images that just stick with me that even, like, I just, it's a movie that I keep wanting to come back to. And again, I don't even, I don't even know if I like it, but I'm, but I enjoy watching it. It, 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 it makes me think a lot. So anyway, no, I think that was, a, yeah, it was a, it was a fun double feature. That's what I've been up to. Are we ready to get into the episode? Nolan, this is your first time watching it? Yes. So yes, we are watching The Valley of Guanji from 1969, directed by Jim O'Connolly. Uh, Stacy. Yeah. Your choice? Why'd you pick this? Uh, it's just a, a favorite from when I was a kid, and I like it as an adult as well. One of my first movie-watching memories is... So my dad, he worked at... I guess it's a factory work second shift so over here second shift is typically like 3 p.m to 11 so during the week i didn't really see my dad you mm-hmm. know when going to school on fridays they do monster vision and i believe they're doing monster vision before joe bob i think started hosting I, I the show think so i think some iteration of it existed like i i want to say they did monster vision without a host yeah you know, they do the like the old commercials and they would do like the double features on Friday night and but it would last all night. So they would play like the you know, maybe the more adult films, you know, earlier in the evening, like ten PM, eleven PM. And then transition and as it was getting to the morning before Looney Looney Tunes would come on, they would do like their old school monster movies. And he came home one night, he got me out of bed at it was like three, three thirty in the morning. And because Valley of Wanju was on, and he's like, "You're gonna like this movie, you know. You, you know, you love dinosaurs, you love King Kong." So, I I watched that movie as he fell asleep in the living room, and I don't know. It's it's just an early memory that I have. This sounds like it's one of those things that's kind of a cinder block, like a foundation stone building on like you being a cinephile and you loving. I mean, more than just dinosaurs, it's your love of cinema, really. Yeah, I mean, my love of cinema definitely comes from my parents. Mm -hmm. They love movies. They loved this movie. So most of the stuff that I love is stuff that they introduced me to. It was a good household for a cinephile. This is one I also saw when I was... It was on. My grandma had a few of the Ray Harryhausen movies. That's how I saw them, and... This is the first time we're all talking about Ray on an episode together. I believe there's a last episode where you guys covered Sinbad. Which we will go back over oh, yeah, at yeah. least, maybe individual films through time. I think Seventh Voyage is a good enough film that de- deserves its, its own, own discussion. Yeah. And I would love to, I it's one of my, yeah, I love that we'll talk about it at some point. But yeah, Ray was a, 
that's a touchstone for me as well. It was a huge thing in my childhood, you know, particularly Clash of the Titans with Medusa that lit my imagination on fire. And it's a big part of the reason why I loved effects so much and I was drawn to those things. It's why horror movies, sci-fi, people were attracted to those type of things because of how good those effects are. So... Yeah, I love this movie. I was really glad you chose it. Yeah, I, there's a lot of effects artists that, you know, call Ray the father of visual effects, which, you know, I, there's obviously, like, Willis O'Brien before him, and well, then, you know, the silent film artists and stuff. But, yeah, Ray, him getting his honorary Oscar, that's a good moment. Mm-hmm. If you want to see something awesome, back when the Oscars were really fucking cool. And particularly to the Academy for this, I'm most grateful and honored. And uh, to the Board of Governors for bestowing this upon me. Thank you so very much. It's most appreciated. Yeah. Like, Ray, Ray deserves all the adulation. There's a really cool... It's worth looking into Ray's history, too. I, plenty of documentary... Or box sets and releases of his films have featurettes with talking about how he got into the into show business and him writing who you call Obi, it's Willis O'Brien, who did the effects for King Kong. It's just one of the best Hollywood stories. Yes, it all started in 1933 when I went to see a film called King Kong. And uh, of course, when I got to the foyer of Grumman's Chinese, they had this enormous display of the bust of King Kong. And that uh, was startling in itself. Inside, we were treated to a prologue, a jungle prologue, which was great showmanship. It, it tied the whole thing together. And of course, then the picture started with Max Steiner's wonderful, famous theme, and uh, I haven't been the same since. Yeah, that, that's something that's really cool about Ray, is that he, he came up, and his fans came up during a time where films were like so well-documented, so, you, you had, like, Famous Monsters, the, the Forrest J. Ackerman book. Like, they would cover Ray, do interviews with him. Uh, there's so many video interviews with Ray, and so many of, like, the great special effects artists from the 70s and 80s would have sit-downs with Ray that, you you know, you could watch. So, it's really cool that you can see, you know, somebody that was such an influence for, I mean, from the, the 80s, 40s yeah. up until the 80s. You know, he was working. So to see like such a prolific career being like detailed and him talking like there's video of him talking about each one of his films. I, I think that's very cool. I found this magazine called uh, House of Hammer and it was a publication. It did 30 issues from like 75 to 79. So mid to late or mid to late 70s. And one of the first issues I open up, these are incredible. I would highly recommend anyone checking them out. You can find them on the Internet Archive. Uh, they're really nice, high-quality uh, PDFs that you can read through. But there was an interview with Ray and one of the ones I first clicked on, and it, it was incredible. And there's so much out there if you're if you're interested in reading about him from his own words. Sure. Nolan, you, you've seen some Ray. Some of them have been together. I think the genesis for our idea on the Sinbad episode that got lost in time was you were collecting the the Indicator yep. box sets, mm-hmm. and Indicator put out some other of his films, right? Like his 50s yep. B-movies. Yeah, I think they've put out, I want to say, three different box sets of, of his animations. Um, 
So like nine or ten movies in all. Um, I've only gone through maybe half of those. My experience is much different than your guys's. I I didn't grow up on this, and it's not. I have no nostalgia for it or anything. So when I watch these movies, I very much love Harryhausen's part in them. But I'm mixed on a lot of them because I don't love the stuff before it gets to it feels the animation. For you. So like I'm just I didn't grow up on those adventure movies very much, and mm-hmm. so for me and and the way that. I like kind of have grown as a movie watcher. I just, I have a hard time with it. But once it gets, I love the animated stuff. So I'm, I'm mixed on these movies, including this one. But when it gets to the Harryhausen shit, like I'm in. And, and there's some crazy effects yeah, in this one. Absolutely. This is one of the better ones as far as the effects goes uh, that I've that I've seen from him of the ones I have. And there's still a lot of his I haven't seen and some big ones I haven't seen. But yeah, um, yeah so that's kind of my relationship with him and his movies. Well, so a little history on it. So this idea spawned from an idea that Obi had, uh, Willis O'Brien, I think initially in the, the 30s, but he was working on it in the 40s. I want to say that the script that Ray had that he reworked was from 42, is what he said. So it was something he was working on. And you can kind of see a little bit of DNA from this idea in Mighty Joe Young. I think that John Ford may have co-produced or... I think that's right. With he had on Mighty Joe he Young, had something to do with that. Uh, it, it's got a very like the beginning of that film is very like westerny mm-hmm. feeling, so you can see some of that DNA there. But the idea, I think it's a great idea. It's only been like done twice, and both of them are based off of Willis O'Brien's idea. They did a movie in the fifties. A um, it was a Mexican American co production that used. Uh, stop motion but it wasn't nearly as good as ray's work but it's called the beast of hollow mountain Hmm. and it's a fun movie the the screenplay has a lot to do with uh with shane yeah guy madison's in it um but it you know it's okay Mm -hmm. it's not as good as guanji but it's worth a watch if you like dinosaurs and cowboys how can you not like dinosaurs and cowboys it's such a good idea and why has it never been done again Hmm. i don't how it's really just the two the type of movies that they were pushing out i don't know how there wasn't a surge and then a resurgence in like the 90s or even like early 2000s you would think mm-hmm. and, and it's not going to be as good as this one but why why not do a remake or something it's a great idea so instead we got cowboys and aliens which isn't very good <laughs> charles schneer who is harryhausen's producing partner they dug up this script ray did and him and Charles, they, you know, decided to go forward with this film. They got a rewrite from William Bass and went forward with Valley of Wanji with uh, Warner Brothers, which the way Ray talks about it, working with Warner Brothers was kind of a mistake at the time, just because of the type of pictures they were putting out, which this movie did not do very well on its release. And Ray's movies typically did pretty well. You got to think like this is coming out in the summer of 69. So we've had that, like, the American, like, modern Hollywood mm-hmm. was starting to come about. Well, and culturally, cinema was changing in a big way at that time, but culturally, so much was changing. Mm-hmm. It's just a hot pot. Well, and the Western was changing drastically. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, this is the year of Wild Bunch and, mm-hmm. well, Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah. Yep. 
and it, it's becoming much more adult. And this is a very classic leaning Western. Mm-hmm. It, it's very safe. I think the script is really good. I think it's one of Ray's best scripts that he had to work with. I we, we'll we'll talk about you know. In my head, I always feel like this is from the 50s. And I know it's not. Like, I do know that. It does feel like that type of Western feels, very much. this feels you know. more like 1959 than 1969, mm-hmm. in, in my mind. Sure. Completely. Before we get into the movie, is there any anything else anybody wants to say? This film is wildly influential. Jurassic Park took from this film mm-hmm. with the, like, the Gallimimus uh, getting bitten by the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. This movie... Did, did that first oh, that's the there's a i forget his name but the, one of the special effects artists that mapped out stuff for uh jurassic park talked directly that this was an inspiration that they pulled that directly the circus show in this movie if you've seen nope like it is very very familiar mm-hmm. in fact even the wardrobe yep. is the same Stephen yoon wears the same suit that uh for sure it's the same sort of spectacle that champ wears and this is very uh, we've covered this but uh 1976 king kong all the reveal the horrific reveal and everything that happens is very similar yeah it's it boils down to a this is lost world uh conan doyle's story uh, which Kong was as well. It's just a different setup. And they use the same characterizations that they have in Kong. They just kind of do some gender swaps and change, like combine some characters. Jane Franciscus is very much a combination of Robert Armstrong and Bruce Cabot from Kong. Yeah. I was I was going to, I mean, I already knew you guys knew that, but going into this movie, I had no relation to the material or or knew what it was from like, or anything you can immediately but, pick out. While, but in the middle while watching i was like oh wow this is just king kong basically yeah. uh, and it's a little more different but same structure but as even you said, the note so. thing it's right mm-hmm. very similar yeah very similar For sure. i've not heard jordan peele talk about it but i i have to i mean he's so smart i right i have to imagine that that was a reference on purpose mm-hmm. well and if you don't want to know anything about nope Skip ahead 30 seconds, yeah. which if you haven't seen it, do that, please. So, I mean, his Nope is basically a modern Harryhausen film. Mm-hmm. Like, it is about, you know, spectacle, and right. it, it does lean kind of towards the monster. Like, yeah. you oh, yeah. feel for the creature. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I see that that film, there's a lot of similar dna uh-huh. there's also sure. interviews of marty talking about valet guanji there's interviews mm-hmm. of spielberg talking about it obviously this is it's highly influential sure yeah i mean i love marty's love of like old drive-in movies mm-hmm. i love marty's love and knowledge of all things cinema like he's mm-hmm. he's it's, such a fan he's, he's a fan first he's he's someone that it's really enjoyable to listen because of his knowledge and his excitement when talking about any range of film of just his experience going to theaters and watching movies and then his restoration work as well. And just his history is just, yeah, I don't, there's very few people in this world that probably have the knowledge. That, He's an archive yeah. mm-hmm. of himself. Right. Yeah. I think what makes cinema to me, uh, I think ultimately it's something that for some reason stays with you. Uh, so that a few years later you could watch it again. Or 10 years later, you watch it again, and it's different. In other words, there's more to learn mm-hmm. about yourself. Well, Noon, do you want to you wanna get into our letterbox uh, All right. summary and cast? 
Let's do it here. So, Valley of Guanji again, 1969, directed by Jim O'Connelly. Cowboys battle monsters in the lost world of Forbidden Valley. A turn-of-the-century Wild West show struggling to make a living in Mexico comes into the possession of a tiny prehistoric horse. This leads to an expedition to the Forbidden Valley where they discover living dinosaurs. They capture one and take it back to be put on display, leading to inevitable mayhem. In this, we have James Franciscus as Tuck Kirby. Whoop whoop. Uh, I, always, I knew I loved that guy, you know. <laughs> uh, we have, I hope I say her name right, is it Gila Golan or Gila? That's her stage name, her... Hmm. Because she is Israeli, and oh. if you've seen this movie, I'm, I'm like 99% sure she's dubbed. Okay, okay yeah, I, I believe so as well. Uh, we have Richard Carlson as Champ, Lawrence Naismith as Professor Bromley, Frida Jackson as Tia Zarina, Gustavo Rojo as Carlos, and I also have to give a mention, obviously, to Curtis Arden as um, Lopi. Is it Lope or Lopi? It's Lopi. Lopi, yes, that's right. That's what James Franciscus calls him. Lope. I don't know how. Yeah. I feel like that's not how you pronounce that. Well, I have a nickname for Lope. him that's very dumb and easy, so we'll leave it at that. Well, and uh, so Lawrence uh, Naismith, Professor Bromley. Yes. So he, uh, for fans of Ray, he was previously uh, Argus and Jason and the Argonauts. At the beginning of the film here, I, I'm going to call this lady Crazy Death Curse Lady. So That's better than what they call her in the film. Sure. Thank you. I, I almost told you while we were watching, do not call mm-hmm. her that because it's derogatory. Right. Sure. She's that character we get in a lot of the uh, movies that are giving a warning sign. And uh, she's good here. I enjoy her. She's kind of fun. If, if you want to explain this opening scene for Stacey, we have, is it Carlos that... Carlos is, Carlos it's is his brother. brother. It's his brother. And he has so, a, a bag with him and he has scratches and marks all on his face Mm -hmm. and what exactly is going on here so he takes the tiny horse tiny horse in the bag believe they're selling the horse that was the idea to make money off the horse Mm -hmm. to to get it to tj so they could show it in the uh the show but the valley's cursed and with the uh with the blind woman, the yeah. the the cursor, yeah, I think that that's a good, interesting trope, and she's visually interesting. The whole like being blind, mm-hmm. but she can see everything, that right. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So the directors for these films never really get that much credit, which rightfully right. so. Raise the star, but Jim O'Conley, I think that I think the direction in this film, like, there's some really dynamic shot setups, and camera I movement. yeah, camera mm-hmm. movement, and I think that. His shot selection is very good. This opening shot showing the the valley at night. You're the first time you see someone, like you hear yelling for a name, and then the head peeks up mm-hmm. into frame. Yeah. And I like that shot. Yeah, it's actually like I will say, like, even though I'm mixed on the movie, it's not a bad movie per se. And especially like you said, the direction like is actually solid. I, I mostly just have issues with Pacing. My involvement and pacing with it once it gets to our star of yeah. the show. It's it's movement for me because it's it's the framing the way he has it set up. But he will go. He does a lot of wide shots on mm-hmm. people and then he'll move up onto them. It very dynamic. Mm-hmm. Or we'll we'll start a shot either with like somebody's face just exploding into the frame, mm-hmm. or there's a shot near the end where it's like starts on these balloons and just 
pulls back. Uh, so Jim O'Connolly, he's probably most famous for doing episodes of The Saint, the TV series. I mm. think he directed uh, their TV movie. I watched a bunch of those during 2020 lockdown times. Phenomenal show. Yeah, if you look at his uh, IMDb, it's just credits all over the place. Like, you know, art production, director, co-director, associate producer. He looks like he did it all. Just a behind-the-lines mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Very talented, though. Uh, next, I want to talk about the Tylers. I thought they're pretty... I really like the animation on the Tylers. Love the and font. The colors. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love the font. Love the texture. The mm-hmm. scales going up on Guanji. Very cool. And the title cards themselves. Very cool. Yeah. So I love the the music. So it's composed by Jerome Moros. Moros. Um, so I think he most famously did the soundtrack for Big Country. Mm. from the mm-hmm. you know, 50s Oscar winning film. I think the score. I think the march in this movie is phenomenal. And the the titler in this movie, it kind of reminds me of Sergio Leone's titles sure. with the like the art and yeah, kind of showing what's going to happen in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, there's everyone kind of has their own little themes. I love El Diablo's theme. It's really cute, yeah. almost like music boxy. It it's is very very. I love it. Uh, I'm going to get some of these things wrong. That's just how I go. But we go down south at the turn of the century. That's what I wrote down. I don't know, remember the exact place we're at here. South of the Rio Grande. Okay. Which I think is a wonderful, it doesn't matter where, it's just... Mm-hmm. General. Yeah, yeah sure. general idea. General vicinity. Uh, we meet a little boy named Lopi, and I say he's a bit dopey. Dopey the Lopi. Lopi's awesome. I despise him. Why? Here's another problem I have, and it's not the movie's fault. This is a my issue. You hate I don't children. like children actors. I, I even he's, the movies I love, I, I have like. But he's not bad. I don't like him. Because he's because of his youth. Is this another thing that boils down to? You want to steal his essence, his youth? Maybe so. Okay. You know. But I, I just, I'm not a fan. He's a precursor for short round. I know, and I'm not a fan of that either. Of well, that, sir. You got a bad heart. Short round's so great. I'm sorry. You know. Like I said, even even in movies, I, like look, I love The Shining. I don't like little boy in that. Uh, there's you don't like Danny? a couple Fulci movies I love that have little boys in them, and I hate. Is like, it boy specific? No, I, well, actually, it, it could be because um, I really don't have a problem with like the little girl and Poltergeist. No like one. I think it. I didn't mean that as no, like no, a no no. I'm saying you've got some un yeah unresolved right issues. Mm-hmm. It That's could be it you know I don't know. You need to talk to your inner child. I might need some help, you know, but <laughs> Lopi's just not my guy. That's all I can say here. So from here on out, you just call him Dopey. Yeah. So hopefully everybody's all right <laughs> I'm with just that, looking but, forward uh, to, like, if you ever make it at anything in life, that somebody's going to just take excerpts from this episode on you talking about little boys and little girls and just deep faking <laughs> some just nasty no, heinous shit that would be a franken bite where they clip together mm. things that he's saying they're gonna franken bite the hell out of you <laughs> i love it <laughs> <laughs> all right uh next up we kind of uh are introduced to this circus area we get some cowboy and indian shit going on indigenous people hold on and also well at the time that's what they it, yeah, that's what they were going for yeah. right i love that you, i love that you dodged the 
the word gypsy but said Indian. Well, that I'm just saying that's what they're portraying them as here. They're not Romanian gypsies. It's not racist, right? I I would just say not saying the word in general. Oh, well, I've said it twice now. Yeah. I mean, it's okay in case anyone was wondering what they call her. I mean, that term is used in a ton of older films, so. Yeah. We're not rewriting history, just. Yeah. Just reporting on it. We have this going on here. They're reacting, or reacting, uh, uh, reenacting. Reenacting, thank you. Um, this at this circus. It looks, it's well shot. It's, what, do you, what do you think of these stunts, man? They're good. Yes. Uh, a lot of horse violence. A lot of horses bite it in this film. They're, they're trained, trained to roll and stuff. They, no, they are. But yeah, I was worried about that guy in the uh, stagecoach that was on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whenever he looked lucky, there's a shot where he's like, "Yeah, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get lit on fire." Well, whenever he tucks and rolls out of that, the back of the the buggy, <laughs> mm-hmm. it looks like his pants were singed on one side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, his, his buns got burnt. That's right. So this all leads up to us uh, meeting uh, TJ, uh, and she is the grand finale performer here. Uh, before she performs, we meet, I guess, our main guy here, Tuck Kirby. I wrote that he's a real son of a bitch. <laughs> and we find out that him and TJ had a uh, past relationship together. And he has left for some time and is coming back. He, mm-hmm. He's waltzing back in for no good reason. She's she's doing her own thing. She's trying to like make it in the world. She has a reason. I actually think the script is very good. No, I like it, but it's just it's like she's got her own thing going on. He's coming storming back into town. I really like the relationship aspect of this film, especially during the first part of it. I think they do a good job of building that and like why he's there all the supporting characters around her i do think that uh carlos is a little under underdeveloped but outside of that yeah i think it's solid i really i do love the scene of them and her which nolan you're probably getting to that them and her dressing Mm. quarters yeah i i like all of the kind of the staging of it it's very good you're gonna have a nice quiet little talk senorita or i might just decide to put you across my knee Fat chance. This is TJ, remember? Sure, I remember. If you don't mind, I'd like to change. Now go on, go ahead. Uh, you hesitated up there for the jump. The sight of you would upset your own mother. What do we think of Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken Horse Jump? I loved it. She just jumps, jumps into that ball of fire with the... I don't know what that's called. Pool below. I don't know. Yeah. I just think it's just cool. Just, yeah. It's a ring of fire. Ring of fire pool. Do you got any champ thoughts? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I actually, I don't have a lot of champ thoughts. I don't even, like, I know he was there, but I don't really mention him much in my notes. No, I so I guess he that's... didn't affect me much. What about you? This trailer was on a video I used to watch called Hollywood Dinosaurs, where they would just take a bunch of dinosaur trailers, like dinosaur movie trailers, and cut it into like a one hour thing and there's like a famous horror movie one of these right with uh where it's like horror actors are watching horror trailers in a theater it's from the 80s oh yeah i don't know what that's called yeah oh that was weird i haven't thought of that in a long time be ready for terror in the aisles a totally unique non-stop roller coaster ride through the most frightening moment of the greatest terror films ever made. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, this video was similar to that. 
and the the trailer for Guanchi, it would start with Champ like, ladies and gentlemen. I guess a fondness for a lot of the bits from the trailer. I've probably mm-hmm. seen the trailer more than I've seen the movie. That makes like sense. <laughs> Very nice. All right, we also meet Professor Bromley. Uh, Professor is a paleontologist. Next, I mean, I just wrote under that that uh, I, I guess Lopi did something dumb because I said he's an almond fail. <laughs> so Lopi, he uh, is a swindler, and he he becomes friends with uh, James Franciscus uh, Tuck. He he leads him out to to the desert. They find Bromley, who is also a customer of Lopi, and I love the stuff with the professor here, and I think it's such good writing. Because what he's doing is very indirect to the story. And I feel like so many times it's like, oh, I heard about this thing. That's like what the thing is that's in the movie. So his whole thing is he's trying to prove that man was around 50 million years ago. Mm -hmm. And the horse, like the little horse is just a, a side note to that for his quest. But I think it's interesting that like his goals and motivation get... Like, those get curbed because of what happens on the adventure. I just think that's good writing. It's interesting. It's very non-Deus Ex, you mm-hmm. know, Machina. Yeah. Like, he, he's there. He's a paleontologist. He has interests. But what he's doing there doesn't really have to do with what they're right. doing. Right. It's, it's his own own adventure, to be honest. I mean, it's yeah. his own thing. Yeah. Oh, I, I know why that Lopi messed up here. So, uh, he goes out. He's like... He he goes out in this in the middle of the circus area, and is trying to lure a bull. Oh! And as he does that, Doug Kirby comes out to like save him, and he gets Johnny Knoxville by a bull, and <laughs> I really like that a lot. And then that goes to like a really nice transition of um, him of Kirby of Tuck Kirby kissing TJ. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's so good. during that sequence, we do have Carlos because the only thing that Carlos does is jump in and fist fight creatures. Yeah. So he's the heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's oh, no character development for Carlos outside of yeah. he will grab a monster by the neck. Right. And in this case, it was a bull. Yeah. He was wrestling a live bull. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And there's a really, it's cute, funny shot of the bull whenever they get. Like, Kirby's out of there, Luffy's out of there, and then I think it's, Carlos comes out, he's been wrestling with them, and then he lets up, and someone pulls out one of the red mm-hmm. uh, banner things, and there's a shot of the bull looking at the person with the banner, and it's like, he cuts away. It's really good timing. Mm-hmm. That's so cute. Yeah. Melanie, you like this transition of uh, kissy face, kissy face? I do. I like it. I like That's that good. he goes up and kisses her, and then it fades into them kissing in a, her room, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's got a very, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark on the submarine yes. thing going where she's tending to him. Yes, very. it's very good. I wrote the, down this about Carlos, which I don't think I was right, but at the time, when we, when we were introduced to Carlos, him and TJ are talking, and... In my mind, I thought that Carlos was, like, not a good guy because I thought that those two were scheming together about something, and I misjudged that. But anyway, I still wrote down he seems like a sketchy dude who is in cahoots with TJ. I was wrong, I think, a little bit, but... I don't think there are any good people in this movie, Oh, that's though. true. Oh, like, yeah, James Franciscus has a character change, 
So sure. by the like the the halfway point, like he is a good. We stand behind him because he's handsome yeah. and he's our protagonist. I, I guess I just thought like, and I I just misjudged the scene. I just I thought that like they had to plan up their own sleeves for some reason when they were so talking. He sold her company the horse. That's yeah. why she owed him money, but she couldn't pay him the money until. But he's probably doing what he's doing because he wants to be inside of her. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. he's crushing hard so anything that ha- happens bad is james franciscus's fault right according to him sure but uh, in a way that's not untrue yeah after the tiny horse is stolen moments beyond that there's a lot of things but it was those damn gypsies nope Count it. That. <laughs> all right we get our first uh, stop motion of the film with el diablo which we are presented with uh, pretty neat. The horse jump was in stop motion. I didn't think about that. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. So El Diablo, he's <laughs> the our, first big creature. It's our first extended mm-hmm. moment of stop motion. That's correct. Sure. And he, the yeah. hair on him is incredible. I, I think El Diablo looks amazing. It's not the best effect in the film, but it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Where'd you ever get a critter like that? Carlos found him. <laughs> he must have been in a gold mine because that's what he is. Solid gold. Took a while to train him, but now he's about ready for his debut. Well, what's the act? Uh, I wrote down uh, a Wild West show with El Diablo is what TJ and Carlos want, I think. Is that correct? Yeah, I really mm-hmm. love, at one point, um, it's after TJ has shown Kirby the El Diablo. They cut around and she, like I think, moves a curtain and it shows this huge poster they have of the horse and the mm-hmm. tiny horse on top of That's it. Right. It looks really cool. I love that artwork. Yeah, the whole thing is like she's teaching it to dance. Yeah, so it can waltz on top of yeah. her horse while it runs. That's right. Yeah. So as uh, something Stacy was talking about uh, earlier, uh, the professor finds out about El Diablo, thinks he's got the greatest scientific discovery of the age. Well, Kirby takes him to see it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Kirby's mm-hmm. like, we should steal this thing. Because he gets the... It clicks for him that it's not just a tiny horse. It's a prehistoric tiny horse yes. that the doctor was talking about earlier. So he's showing it to him. Because if they can prove that it's like, you know, an ancient creature that shouldn't be alive, it's much more important and more lucrative. Yeah, but the Kirby's like, oh, this is amazing. He's thinking more on the lines of what TJ's thinking. But the professor ready to chop that thing up and mm-hmm. like he wants to dissect and study it. Let's do some work. Yeah. They mm-hmm. have very different uh, ideas of how this is going to go. Yeah. So yeah, professor needs to figure out where he came from. They go to Carlos. Carlos doesn't help him. But the good thing they did was they went to Dopey, who will help them, obviously. And <laughs> For he, money. Yes. So <laughs> he leads them to Death Curse Lady. She tells the professor about the Forbidden Valley. Uh, so this leads us to a set piece of Death Curse and her friends uh, going in and stealing El Diablo. Death Curse and her friends. Fair enough. <laughs> her gang, whatever. Okay. okay. Her and her cronies. They, they, they take him. They ride off. Kirby realizes this, so he rides off to track them down. And as that's happening, TJ and Carlos... Find, find out that he's been stolen, and they believe that Kirby is the one that still stole El Diablo. Well, because Carlos tells him that because Death Curse's smallest friend mm-hmm. hits uh, Cur- or hits Carlos with the crowbar. That's right. And laughs. Yeah, it was a good rip. So Carlos blamed Kirby because yep. he still wants to be inside TJ. That's right. So 
we basically have three different sets traveling here. Everything that's happened till now, this is the part of the film you don't like. Mm -hmm. So I do think that there, while I do like the script a lot and I think the setup's really good, I think that maybe there should have been a scene during this period to give Death Curse Lady uh, more incentive to steal the horse. Like maybe mm -hmm. we should have had a creature attack or like some sort of Inside either incident. a set piece yeah. or That's what I was... an awful thing that happened I to like break, break up the, the, sure. the TJ Kirby uh -huh. uh, reconciliation stuff. No, I think that, mm -hmm. yeah, that's the one thing I would say with pacing. Yeah, well, it, it could use. Uh, and that's kind of my issue with all the Harry Hosman stuff I've seen is like it, they tend to take a while to get to, the stop motion or the the animated don't put creatures. that on Sinbad, man. Well, I haven't Sinbad I, and I have not seen Sinbad. Yes, you have. Or I have We've seen Sinbad. I'm sorry. Together. I was thinking about um, Jason. No, I've seen Flash. that one. Clash. I haven't seen. Clash. I don't know why yeah. I got those confused. But um, Seventh Voyage. Seventh yeah. Voyage starts a rip roaring with adventure. Yeah. yeah, and that one, I, I yeah. Some of the other Sinbad films. But most of the ones I have seen. That's yeah. one of my biggest issues sure. with them. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so yeah, you make a good point. Is what I was trying to say. <laughs> this would be the perfect like an inciting incident for this would be the perfect jump off just a little mini animated scene yes i think that i would insert it right before the scene of james franciscus talking with lopi at the restaurant yeah i think that if you had a scene maybe a pterodactyl attack i was about to say pterodactyl would be something that makes sense because it's already we are introduced to it and it would make sense for it to be recurring and yeah, mm -hmm. i agree so, Professor and Lopi are traveling together. Herbie has gone off by himself, find them. And then also TJ, Carlos, and they have a little group. They are trying to track down Kirby. Kirby, Kirby yeah. because horse thief. Yes. This all comes together fairly quickly in the movie. So, Tuck Kirby does find them pretty quickly, as, as in the Professor and Lopi. Uh, Kirby joins up with Professor and Lopi. And TJ and her group run into Kirby and his group pretty quickly. They find El Diablo... And start to chase him down. Anything you guys want to talk about through all this? This is whenever the film, to your point, Nolan, kind of, I mean, I like the film from the get-go, but this is where it kind of starts to kick off. Sure. We're, we're moving into more effects. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so they, they have this little chase scene where they're trying to, to catch El Diablo, and he basically leads them to the valley. This leads to our first uh, dinosaur sighting. We have a pterodactyl. Mm -hmm. Is that the correct term here? I'm going to let you do the terms here because i'm not a dinosaur connoisseur <laughs> like consuming dinosaurs or uh he's not he's not a professor i'm not of, a professor he's of, not a dino professor of the correct nomenclature here okay okay uh so this is one of this will be my um, make him laugh moment the pterodactyl carries off lopi lopi's just in the air and just biting it and it's really funny to me i like it a lot he does make it through the animation of the pterodactyl looks amazing, but I think a lot of times people, whenever they're stop motion, they don't always look the best. I feel like Lopi looks really good. Yeah, it's, it, a, it's a really it's pretty good seamless. Effect. I think what works there is the blending because when Lopi gets lifted off of the horse to about like what, like 10, 15 feet in the air. Mm -hmm. I think they just put a harness on the kid and lifted him up. And then once we're farther away, it's... The... It goes into stop motion. Yeah. I think because you've seen him get lifted up by the pterodactyl, it makes the cell of the pterodactyl carrying him in the air when he is a stop motion puppet looks more realistic. Carlos comes to the rescue. 
We have Carlos versus the pterodactyl. Carlos eventually kills it. I think that this is a really cool scene. I I love the animation, but I also think that the like the the full size pterodactyl that they have him on looks really good. Oh, absolutely! Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, it looks great. It, it does. Uh, I wrote down cowboys versus dinosaurs about time. Uh, we meet two other dinosaurs in this time. Now, the first one, I mistakenly wrote down Triceratops. It corrects me in the movie by saying a Styracosaurus. 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 Uh, before that, there's a ornith- Ornithimus that they see that they try to catch because everything that they see in the movie, they try to put ropes on. Right. So They're lassoing like crazy. Yeah. It runs away from them, and that's where you get the scene that uh, Jurassic Park uses where mm-hmm. that's your introduction to Guanji's. He just pops out of nowhere. Yeah. And destroys that creature. Now, is, is the Guanji a T-Rex, basically? Or so, many people say an Allosaurus because of how small he is. Ray says T-Rex or Allosaurus. And, and Guanji's base... I should have pulled this up. He's His design is based off of a painting. Guanji's design was based off of a T-Rex painting by Charles R. Knight. And it's <laughs> one of the most like famous paintings of a dinosaur he also famously did the labrea tar pits painting okay so you've seen you've seen this man's work but yeah yeah, he uh he did the the t-rex painting that inspired them okay the the t-rex from kong is also inspired from from that look we have a little like shootout and just these cowboys trying to figure out how to stop this uh stop guanji in particular um, we find out that the guy who was shooting the gun had blanks in it. I think that's such good writing. Because I like they, it. Yeah. They explain it earlier in the show, uh, or <laughs> early in the show, the old picture show. Mm-hmm. They, they explain it earlier in the movie where, because they are putting on a show, that they do have blanks. That makes sense. And mm-hmm. him mixing up the guns right. also makes sense. And it... It leaves our characters in this unknown place to fend for themselves because they don't have working guns. I, right. I think that's very good writing. The explanation's very good. Yeah. Good stuff. For sure. Next up, uh, Lopi kind of spills the spills the beans and tells TJ and Carlos that it was not Tuck Kirby's doing here. And it was indeed the professor uh, who gave away El Diablo. I should have said earlier, the professor kind of gets um, left behind from the group. By his own choosing, basically. And they find him, and he rejoins them by falling in a trap. And, uh, again, just an all-man fail here from the professor. T-Rex versus uh, a gang of cowboys. So they've decided they've they've made these spears or whatever to try to take him on. This is a really good set piece. I really like it a lot. I think this is probably the best effect. Well, once they get to where they're doing the lassos around... It's there's only a few times where you can see where the there's an extra cord uh-huh. that doesn't actually match up to the cowboys. Yep. But it's so impressive. Yep. Well, it's definitely one of the most ambitious things that Ray has done. It is on the scale of the skeleton fights in in Jason, the skeleton fight in Sinbad. Which to look at it, Medusa, maybe... like it is up there for me as far as like that type of effect. And I think even when uh, James Franciscus, when he's running away from Guanji and he's like stuck behind the rock, oh, yeah. there are, I want to say in that moment, 
And during this entire sequence, there is no less than like three plates on screen at all times. Yeah. Incredibly complex and wild. Mm -hmm. Perfect and insane. Yeah, the there and that was on this watch because I think I was being more mindful since I knew we were gonna talk about it. James Franciscus at one point, um, it's the image of him falling back on a rock. So there's like this big boulder piece of, you know, the mountain protruding that he's kind of hiding behind as Guanji comes up and is snapping at him. And he falls back behind against the mountain and it cuts to Guanji coming up. And then we see what's obviously the puppet of him. And it's exactly like what you talked about before with his blending of starting out, starting the scene with having James Franciscus there and then them cutting into the effect. It, but it looks so good. Yeah. It really does. This is one of the better effects I've, I've seen from, from him. But I think for, for again because normally just people don't look right whenever and i love ray but even right. ray's work it just doesn't look quite right it's the only thing that will take you out of it this looks really good mm-hmm. yeah i'd agree with that completely and you're gonna lose your mind when i when you watch clash yeah you're it, it's the effects on that are insane for sure help me again with this other dinosaur's name Sterac- Styracosaurus. Styracosaurus. uh so he then joins the fight ends up being him against guanji uh, Guanji wins with the help of Carlos puncturing uh, him with a spear. This is wild. Carlos just tags in and just <laughs> runs up with a spear and is like, yeah, we're going to yeah. fuck this thing up together. <laughs> I, Carlos has a lot of Leroy Jenkins energy. Mm-hmm. Very much Love so. That. Just running in yeah. like, I got I to gotta tackle this thing. Yeah. What do you think, Abdul? Can you give me a number crunch real quick? Uh, Yeah, give me a sec. I'm coming up with 32 point. 3-3, repeating, of course, percentage of survival. Well, that's a lot better than we usually do. Uh, All right, thumbs up. Ready, guys? Let's do this. Leroy Jenkins! Oh, my God, he just ran in. He's got to get in there. Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, might be to his demise. Sure. Ultimately, yeah. Yeah, because (laughs) that's coming up quick here. Because after this fight's over, uh, he kind of sticks around in the area. Guanji decides hey there's a guy i'm gonna eat him the the cowboys get cut off they can't go back through the valley so they have to go past the fight Mm -hmm. and to get out of the valley from the way they came in carlos because of his intervention in the Mm -hmm. the dino fight gets he's pulling up the rear Mm -hmm. and guanji catches up (laughs) that's right and death curse fulfilled it's a nice snack it's very restrained during their time in the valley like the dinosaur action is awesome but you don't really see like death like carlos is Mm -hmm. the only death during this time so i think it makes the impact of the ending like much more chaotic Mm -hmm. like everything that happens yeah so yeah carlos gets eaten and then uh the others escape and as guanji is trying to hunt them down he realizes it's a opening that's not big enough for him he goes through it anyway rock that nice rocks fall on him gets knocked out (laughs) it's very similar to the uh the lost world uh the the adaptation that willis o'brien did in the 20s where they bring back a brontosaurus to london yeah and the the brontosaurus gets like backed off a ledge uh and falls Mm. and knocks himself out it's very similar to that Sure. And of course, Kong with the sleeping right. gas. Yeah, definitely. So uh, Kirby uh, and 
uh, and everybody else, they capture Guanji, wanting to take him back, King Kong style, make a boatload of money on a circus. So, uh, as they're doing this, Death Curse <laughs> reappears, <laughs> warns them <laughs> that they're all uh, doomed unless they release the monster, and they choose not to release the monster. I feel like the only reason that this sequence is in there, I know that they use Death Curse as like a final last warning to like, you know, the carnage ahead. She's a herald for it. But it it seems like the reason that this sequence is here is because of the technical, like the animation of him in the cart. And there's Mm. a plate behind him of a guy riding next to the cart on a horse and it's being Mm. pulled by a horse. It's a... It yeah. seems like a very simple setup, but it looks like a very complicated visual effect shot. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Okay, so they make it back uh, to their town where they live. Uh, back to the arena. Back to the arena. Mm-hmm. They have uh, Ganji the Great, this carnival setting. Or the Great Ganji. Ganji, sorry. Ganji the Great. And uh, as they get back there, I wrote down, we have the same old Tuck Kirby. He's still... Just being a bitch. Big dickin. Yeah. What are you talking about being a bitch? He's, they they no, made no, no. plans. He's, she she turns. He's big dick swinging, man. Mm-hmm. They're, she she says they're gonna go have kids. They're gonna I, buy that's what he wants. And then she's like, no, we got a world tour to do. She does the whole Carl Denham thing, and he's like, well, I that I, ain't for me. I think she's right here. I think the movie shows that she's not, and <laughs> she she. I like Loki that. comes in as like, you know, Tuck Kirby. He's a proud man. He's not coming back. You fucked up. You better go get him if you want him. He's like our Jiminy Cricket, really. And I know Loki. She, he's great. She deserves life without him. Like she could do it on her own. And she realized it. Now, did it fail for? Yes. But I don't think she did realize that because she runs after Tuck Kirby, and in a wonderful sequence, Typical. a wonderful sequence, reminiscent of when Rocky goes and gets Mick in the first movie mm. after he kicks him out of the apartment, there's no sound because we don't need it. Don't it's all know. visual. Yeah. And that's that's movie storytelling. Trust your visuals, audience. yes. And as you it's said, fantastic. Lopi tells TJ, you can't let Kirby go. Death curses Gypsy friend decides to You said it! I did say it that time. I did write it down, sorry. After all this time, and then you, the end, I'm Death just Curse, like, you were so I can't consistent. do it. All right. Uh, <laughs> Death Curse, Death Curse's friend uh, decides to go to Guanji's cage. I'm not really sure why. Like, why did he choose this? Like, is he trying to free the, the monster? Yes. He goes in the cage. He tries to, I, I guess he's trying to let Guanji out. He, he messes up, and... He gets he basically gets eaten here. So not basically. He, he does. does. He does get, get eaten. eaten. And as the curtain is <laughs> so this is a good scene. So they're getting ready to what what's our guy, Champ? Is that his name? Yes. Yeah. He's getting ready yeah, to yeah. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen. He's got the curtain. He's he's ready to unleash the beast. And as he Guanji has I don't even I don't remember the, the dude's name. So anyway, he has him in his mouth and is eating him as the the curtain is revealed for him. And obviously hysteria... I don't think he is named. I don't think yeah. so. And so yeah, hysteria... I uh, love this reveal. Mm-hmm. I think the curtain coming up, I think the introduction to Guanji, 
the band, the full arena, it pulling up and him just chomping down on someone. So good. It's really good. We also, he then goes after an elephant that was in like the act before him, mm-hmm. uh, takes down the elephant. I mean, but that elephant puts up a he, fight. He does. He, he rears back with mm-hmm. his tusks and brains on a little so bit. So mm-hmm. apparently Ray wanted a real elephant but there's not a real elephant that was big enough yeah, in I was, captivity. I was going to ask. I mean, it is interesting because the elephant is the only animal that we see in the film that is that is in full stop motion that has that wasn't taken from the valley, correct? Right. So I, I was curious about that. So you explained it right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, because they could only find like eight foot tall elephants and they needed it to be 15 feet. In my head while I was watching the movie, did they... Did they take this guy with them too? Or, or I don't know how they would have, but did yeah, they? Yeah, anyway. Yeah. All right. So the elephant bites it. Uh, Guanchi the Great Destruction Day is what I wrote down. Um, it's a really good scene. It reminiscent of 70s Kong in in a lot of ways, like what Melanie said earlier, and I was I thought about that while watching this scene. Um, Ganji ends up taking a spear to the head. We get this really good last setting where, is it a cathedral? It's a cathedral. So, but it's such a weird, unique looking yeah. cathedral. It almost it's, looks like Notre Dame. Like, it's very, like, the it's exterior. It's massive. Yeah, yeah, it's, I love that it's a western, it's a cowboy movie with dinosaur, and we end it in, like, a gothic cathedral. Mm-hmm. It's so metal. It's really yeah. cool. And the lighting in this place is beautiful, and yeah. he changes the sound to, like, it's all echoey. Oh, it's the sound. It, it's brilliant. I would say this ending is by far my personal favorite part of the film. Like you're giving away all your categories, man. I know I am. I'm, <laughs> I'm failing, but like, no, it's it's. I'm, I'm I am someone that really images stick with me, and like with Guanji just burning, and you have like the window pane in the background and this cathedral. It's like that an image I will not soon forget, and it's it's. It's lovely. It's a great ending of the film. Uh, Ganji takes a spear from Tuck Kirby. Inside the cathedral, fire is started. Guanji and the cathedral are burnt down. And everyone's kind of sad. The movie does such a good job with its ending because I think it lingers on the death of Guanji far too long. But I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I think that Ray was very purposeful Mm -hmm. in getting his point across because... In these movies, you always feel bad for the creature. In Kong, of course. Because yeah, they're, they're taken out from their natural habitat. Even the, and they're lashing out in a very mm-hmm, natural yeah, way. Yeah, right. and even in his uh, 20 million miles to Earth, which is very similar of, you know, the creature climbs to the top of the Coliseum and the army has to kill him because he just keeps growing and destroying shit, not because he wants to. No, in and, this, it's, it's heartbreaking because it lingers for so long. In... It, it does linger. It feels gross. Like you're watching some sort of animal cruelty that like this animal is just trapped in this building, scared, and this cathedral falls apart on top of it so it can't get out. And you see like the audience is stunned. You, The woman does, says a Hail Mary. And it, if you didn't get the point across at that point, like it cuts to like shows Lopi who's just bawling his eyes out because it's, Fucking but sad and depressing. But all of them are silent, though. Like, mm-hmm. she, you hear her, t- you know, doing her prayers, and then it, Lopi, he's just quiet staring at it and, like, haunted. Yeah, it's yeah. just the animal screaming while it's, it's on yeah. fire. And that, that's another thing where it's, 
the screeching of mm-hmm. it. It doesn't it is... sound like anything else you've ever heard before. It, it yeah, it's it... it's too long, but it's purposeful. And mm-hmm. I did like that 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 it just cuts to the end there. We don't need any. We don't need a wrap mm-hmm. up. We get anything it. with our characters like that was that. No, I I enjoyed that about yeah. the film. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, good ending. Absolutely. Do we want to get into categories? Or yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Nolan, since you've already I've already us, spoiled most of mine. You go ahead so. and give us yours. Yep. My go after my uh, make them laugh moment is uh, Lopi being taken by the pterodactyl, flying away. A great piece of uh, of comedy filmmaking right there. Loved every second of it. Uh, my high point is the ending, as I just said. Sorry, but yeah, uh, yeah, just that cathedral setting. The images, the composition, I loved it. Uh, and my low point is just Lopi in general. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to go with pacing. No, it's Lopi. A character that uh, really uh, grinds my gears. So, all right. All right. Uh, I will say my make him laugh is I really love the reveal and the carnage of, of Guanji just eating that guy mm, and yeah. all. I... I think it's a great moment, but it is, it's so mean and mm-hmm. nasty. And if you were thinking you went to go see a show, a spectacle, and it's, there's a lot of kids and stuff in mm-hmm. the audience and it's just getting ripped so hard yeah. watching someone get eaten by a dinosaur. That is so fucked, but I find it very funny. My low point is probably, I do think we could use just a mini effect scene kind of what we were talking about where you place it i think is perfect i think it being a pterodactyl that's what i was along the same lines i was thinking of just a not a major dinosaur but something to instigate further felicity get the action moving yeah a little yeah, bit. yeah i i could have used that but i i the pacing doesn't bother me i i love all these fantasy setups i enjoy that part of the film and then my high point i would say is ray just his work in this is i think if I had to pick one thing, it's the lasso scene. It's not my... I think that the cathedral is probably the coolest set piece and the dinosaur in there with the sound, but I think that's the most impressive work that Ray did on this film is lining up those lassos to the cowboys from Guanji. It's really impressive. My high point, too, is the the lasso scene. I, I love the music during that sequence. I like the action and just the setup, the shot selection... Ray's effects are phenomenal. I love that whole sequence. And it, it goes from that set piece to another banger of this Styracosaurus fight. So, yeah, it, it's really cool. My low point is going to be the same as yours, Melanie. I think that the only thing I can see wrong with this pacing, because I do like the script so much, is there could have been an inciting incident to to spur, uh, as Nolan calls her, death curse, uh, to give their, that some more immediacy in, in what they're doing. As far as make him laugh, the professor, I, I like a lot of his lines. I love that it's just Doc Brown talk. And his hair is really <laughs> wild too, what he has up there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that. I kind of wonder if Doc Brown talk came from this. But yeah, it, it's great. Melanie, do we have a MFK for yeah. today? Yeah, so we have not a special one, but I'm going to include someone that maybe I normally wouldn't, but it feels appropriate for this film. Sure. So we're going... If you say Lopi, I I quit. I would never... <laughs> I didn't even think of that. No. <laughs> death Curse. Okay. Oh, it goes yeah. Death Curse, Kirby, 
and we'll go professor. Death curse curvy professor. Okay. I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm killing Death Curse. Okay. I I just okay. You know she's she's smart. Okay, and I get that, but I just I can't deal. You don't. Yeah. I with what she's given, you don't want it. I don't want any of it. So it just and and she'd be constantly on just talking about I'm doomed or <laughs> I'm making a bad choice or yeah. Whatever. Okay, so I'm sorry, Death Curse. And then I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna f Kirby, and then I'm going to marry Professor. <laughs> you sound unsure. I am, but Professor's a professor, so he's he's got money. You find him? He's no, he doesn't. In the middle of the desert. Well, look, at some point he is. <laughs> he's a paleontologist. Okay. What? Nope, that's his choice. You don't have to. I'm just saying. What have you seen or read that informs nice this decision? Suit. Everybody had a suit then. Got he had to pay for it somehow. That's his choice. You can't. I'm going to go fossil digging with him, alright? Okay. You hate outside. That, I do. You would hate that. I'm going to stand in the tent and drink water and he can dust off stuff. Do you stuff. think he knows how to put up a tent? Probably not. You have to put tent. He'll hire someone. He's got money. I don't think he does. Well, it's the he's choice just, I'm sticking with. Out with Lopi. If Lopi comes along, I might reconsider. <laughs> You're gonna have to hire Lopi because you don't know how to oh, do yeah, anything. He'll do the work. Yeah, that's fair. Right. I'm not giving him money though. I'll tell you that. That's that's slavery. Yeah. At that point. So you're kidnapping a child and making give, him work. They keep giving him money through the whole damn movie. Yeah, but that's not slavery. That's the job. You said you're not paying him. That becomes right. slavery at that moment. He's not. He's. Well, I didn't say I was. Professor can. Okay. Fair enough. So you're not refusing for him to have payment for yeah. his service, right? Okay, because you were you were getting in a really unsavory. That's what I do. You're a weird dark person. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna kill the professor. Mm. I don't want. I don't want any part of that. Not my taste. I'm going to fuck Kirby because James Franciscus. I'm marrying Death Curse. Mm. I what I want to do is I want to lean into that lifestyle and I want to set up a witch's hut and I want to we'd be schemers for sure. But I want to her to tell fortunes and I want to basically do like like at the beginning of like I want to do like a fake out hoax thing where we make things levitate and it's all like cords and pulleys and it's gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be crooks can you say crook yes we're gonna be crooks we're gonna be we're gonna be liars but we're gonna take the money and we're gonna i don't know i think that should be fun look i just don't know if death curse is gonna go along with this because she's really adamant about just being truthful about her curses here. But she's cursing everyone. Okay, that's so, fine. I, I hope it works. I hope this yeah. plan works. No, I feel I feel good about it. Okay. I'm going to marry Kirby because he has a plan already. Like, we're going to go get a ranch, raise some animals, maybe adopt some kids. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe TJ comes along. That could be fun. Hmm. So, three and one. <laughs> Not you. I mean, that, like... The way your face was when you said that, you were it was like you were living that life and you were like, that'd be fun. Don't don't shit on my threes company. No, no, no. I'm I think beautiful. Yeah. Whatever you think people want. Kirby I love, is yeah. riding your dick 
we're not going to... We are not being foul here. Goodness, Nolan. What's wrong with you? We're, we're talking about effing. So I'm going to fuck Death Curse. Oh. Because, I don't know, why not? Fair. Yeah. Would be something there's, new. There's no judgment. Weird. Yeah. Well, no. She's just... She's going to Death Curse you the whole time. See? That could be hot. <laughs> I'm going to kill the professor because... You both killed the professor. My future husband. You, Here's the thing. You weren't that attached to him. No. This wasn't one that you were That's true. offended. He seems like like the most heelish person listed. As soon as like, he see El, as soon as he sees El Diablo, he's like, I'm gonna murder that thing and study it. Like he I don't know, I just get bad yeah. vibes from him. I he's not like a Professor Challenger type. He's uh he he's uh shifty. Yeah. Shifty's a good word for it. Yeah. I really enjoy this film. And I'm I'm glad that you guys watched it with me. Happy birthday, Stacy. Happy birthday. Nolan, I'm glad that you got to view this film for the first time, even though you uh just thought it was okay. I mean I, I enjoyed watching it with you guys and there's a lot to like about it. I just I didn't I was mixed on it, but there are like you should watch this movie because there's a lot of a lot of stuff worth yeah, your time yeah. so you don't have the uh the childlike amazement with cowboys versus dinosaurs it's just uh no fun yeah no fun tuck that's me all right well this has been fun and uh good pick stacy and uh again happy birthday in the meantime you can find us on twitter and instagram at cinema parlor uh you can find us on itunes and SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts at Cinema Parlor. Rate, review us if you would. Give us five stars or one star. I don't care. Just give us something. You can find me personally on Letterboxd at Chuck Madden Jr. Esclavery 4 on Letterboxd. Plastic Werewolf on all social media. Have a drink or two for us all. And cheers to Stacy. Cheers to me. Get ready for the spooky season. Peace out.